Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I just happened to run across something this week that just kind of clicked with me. And so we're going to be talking about suddenly tonight. You know, this past weekend was really interesting. Sunday morning, the, the Spirit of God had us pray for people who had a specific financial need. And then Sunday night, the Spirit of the Lord prompted Brother Steve to pray for people who had businesses. You know, and at the end, Pastor had a word for somebody that... that their blessing would come to them suddenly. Now, you've been told, and you've heard this before, I'm going to say it again. When you hear a word that goes to someone else, if God quickens that to your heart, take it, grab a hold of it, and say, that's mine, that's for me. It doesn't have to be for just one person. God is speaking to you, and, he's, and, he, and he says, oh, grab that. You grab it. You make that word yours, hallelujah. But the word suddenly just stood out. So I went to see, what does suddenly mean? It means there's quite a few different, you know, things you, you pick it out when you get in the dictionary. So I picked out these, and it can mean abruptly, without warning, happening or appearing to happen unexpectedly, something involving a quick adjustment or the quickness of an occurrence. That's a suddenly. You know, and there are a lot of suddenlies in the Bible. A lot of suddenlies. You know, I'm going to take a look at a few of them. God doesn't want there just to be suddenlies in the Bible. He wants to be there suddenlies in your life. And so we're going to talk about some of these things. In Malachi, the third chapter of Malachi, you go up there and you find in verse 1 there where the, there was a prophecy that said Jesus would come suddenly. But the interesting thing is, that in Genesis, God had already, had already foretold Jesus is coming. And yet Malachi said it'll happen suddenly. In Luke 2.13, you know, when Jesus had been born, suddenly there was a heavenly host out on the hills praising God. Just boom, there they were. You know, the, the Jews had been taught for years, I mean, for centuries. They knew that, that one day a Savior would come, that the Messiah would be present. But, you know, just, it's just like today when you talk about Jesus coming back again, people will go, I've heard that for decades. You know, well, the Jews knew they, they'd heard that for centuries. You know, centuries and centuries and centuries. But suddenly, there was a heavenly host announcing that he had come. Hallelujah. Can you imagine what that was like, being out there on the hills with just a bunch of sheep, and suddenly, I mean, there's just not one angel. There's just not two angels. There is a host of angels. Now, if you go back and you look at what host means, it means a lot, a lot. There's a whole bunch of angels when it says there was a host of angels. So you're out there on the hillside with a bunch of sheep in the middle of the night, and suddenly it's like, the heavens just open up and they are singing praises to God, announcing the birth of a Savior, that he's come. That's a suddenly. Hallelujah. Over in Acts 2, ah, oh, you know Acts 2, the suddenly that's there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. That was a pretty good suddenly. Acts 9.3, Paul, or Saul at the time, was on the road to Damascus. Now, at the time, he wasn't born again. 
At the time, he didn't know Jesus. At that particular time, he had just left the stoning of Stephen. He was zealous for what he thought was, was the work of God. He was doing his best to protect God. He was doing his, protect, his, best, his best to protect, you know, people from this, this new religion, this new uh, heresy that was coming forth. He thought he was doing what God wanted him to do, and suddenly he found himself flat on his face. A bright light shone about, and God started talking to him, and suddenly his life changed. Not just his life, but his name was changed. His attitude was changed. His purpose was changed. His direction was changed. His whole life took on different meaning. I mean, everything changed because of a suddenly on the road to Damascus. And everywhere he went, he talked about and told the story of how that suddenly took place on that road and how God changed him and made him who he was. Hallelujah. You know, and it, it just, it just, it just, there's just so many suddenlies that you look at and you go, that is awesome. That doesn't mean we can't experience suddenlies that are just as awesome. I mean, there's, there's things out there that God wants to do suddenly in your life. Then you go over to Acts, Acts um, 16, and in Acts 16, you find Paul and Silas. They were, they were about to go into Asia, but the Spirit would not permit them to go into Asia. The Spirit would not let, permit them to go into Bithynia. Paul had a dream about a man from Macedonia who was saying, please come help us. And so that's where they went. They went into Macedonia. They wound up in Philippi. In Philippi, they met a lady named Lydia, you know, who was waiting for them, who, who opened up her heart. And, and, and she, she was a worshiper of God, and she took in everything they had to say. Hallelujah. And after they met Lydia, they had this young woman who followed them around for several days who was a fortune teller who was saying, these are the servants of the Most High God. These are the servants of the Most High God. You think, what in the world was she doing? Well, she was making money for her masters who got very angry when they turned around and cast the devil out of her and set her free. But you know what? It's interesting to note that there are people in this world who will go around proclaiming something that seems really good like this young lady did. She was proclaiming that these are servants of the Most High God. But really the background story is that, of that is there are people who see a place where a buck can be made and people can be deceived. If they get in with the right, right talk, they can get in with the right action. They can, they can maneuver themselves and position themselves in such a way that it will benefit them and they can deceive people. Just like, I mean, to me, you know, there are, there are people who've gotten involved in things and called it Christian. Hey, no more Christian than the man in the moon. There have been, uh, I'm sorry if this steps on anybody's toes, multi-level marketing schemes that have attached themselves to the church, trying to make themselves out as some kind of a Christian organization, and all it is is a money-making machine. That's all it is. And they found out that if they, they'd figure if they can, they can attach themselves to church people, that they'll get people, people involved. And that's just not right. That's just not right. Years ago, we had somebody call us up who was in a particular multi-level marketing agency or company, and they said, uh, Pastor, 
we, we, wanna, we, want to, we have these meetings, and we want to start funneling people into your church. And, and we want to make you a diamond in our organization. You don't have to do anything at all. Just, you know, we're going to send people to you, you know, into your church, you know, and, and they're going to help you, and they're going to support the church. And, and it's going to be wonderful. You know, the church is going to prosper financially and all this kind of stuff. And he said, no, thank you. Because he understood that's not God. Because what they really wanted to do was get into it every church they could to make themselves another market. It happens a lot. Uh, we had somebody come several years ago who wasn't here very long, and they went. They they started picking up uh, church directory, and when I found that out, I went and said, "I want that back, please." And they looked at me like, what? And I said, yeah, I, I need that back. Let's, let's, I want that back. And I knew what they were going to do with it. They were going to start contacting people in the church. Listen, that, some people think godliness is gain. It's not. It's not that kind of gain. There's a lot of gain that comes with godliness, but making money off the people of God is not one of them. And, you know, and so, so anyway, Paul and Silas, they cast the devil out of this out of this young woman, and because her masters now had uh, lost their source of income from her, they took Paul and Silas to the, to the hierarchy, and they said, these guys have just come in here to make trouble. They're just troublemakers. They're here, they're here for no good. And so they took them, and they beat them, and they took them to the jail, and they told the jailer, you better keep them in a place where they can't get out of here. They better keep them, keep them locked up good. Let's face it. Jails in that day were probably uh, not the Hilton. And a jailer was probably not one of the nicest people you would ever want to encounter. I can imagine the kind of personality it took to be a jailer back in those days. And it's not somebody that you and I would probably want to associate with on a regular basis. But he hearing that threat that you better keep them safe, you better keep them in a place where they can't get out, they can't get away, you know, they can't cause any more trouble. He put them in the inner prison. Now, prisons back in those days were, were like in cave-like places where it was wet, it was damp, it was, it was smelly, it was disease-ridden, it was dark. These men had been beaten, and they're put in the inner prison. It's a pretty sad place to be. But you know, as the story goes, when they began to praise God, suddenly, suddenly an earthquake came, and all the doors were open, and everybody's bands were loosed. That was a major suddenly. Listen, you and I have never had this kind of a situation they found themselves in. Much as you think you've encountered some bad episodes in your life, it's never been that bad. Because as far as they knew, you know, they could probably, they could possibly be dead the next morning. And so here they are in prison. But what are they doing? Singing and praising God. Just singing and praising God. You know, sometimes we think life is tough. Oh, 
I just have to, I just, I have to go to school with these ridiculously hard to get along with people. I have to go to work with these ridiculously hard to get along people. Uh, uh, I've got family that are ridiculously hard to get along with. I've got, you know, and we just, and we just kind of tell ourselves so many times that our life is hard. It's tough. You know, I've got this situation to endure, but it's nothing like what these people had. It's nothing like what Paul and Silas had to endure. But you know, there is, there's a, over in Psalm 91, if you want to go over there, let's take a look at it. Psalm 91. Hallelujah. You, I know you know Psalm 91 really well. Somehow my Bible's not opening very well to it, but okay. Psalm 91. Hallelujah. Uh, it says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. In verse 3, Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. When I look at this verse, I also think about, about uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 13, it says that he will with every temptation make a way of escape. See, God had that same promise in the New Testament. He reiterated it you know, in the New Testament. He'd already told these people in the old, under the old covenant that I will, I will deliver you. Surely I will deliver you. And in the New Testament, he says, I, he will make a, he is faithful. He will make a way of escape. Hallelujah. But I want you to go down to verse 14 of Psalm 91. This is why I didn't have you leave it. It says, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. Now, this word deliver here, there's the word deliver in verse 3, but this is a different word for deliver. This, this word for deliver really means to strengthen. It could, it could also be, we could also say cause you to be tough. Mm-hmm. 2 Timothy 2, 3 says, endure hardness as a good. And the Amplified says, first class soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen, basic training, otherwise known as boot camp in the military, is a place to toughen you up. How many you know, little times have we, have we seen, seen, like, I don't know, I think it was a commercial you know, and a guy, it looked like it was, it was boot camp or something. And he, he told the recruit, he said, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Just suck it up. You know, they don't want to know if you stumped your toe in boot camp. They don't want to know if you cut your finger. This is the army. This is the Navy. This is the Air Force. This is the Marines. Whatever branch it is, we ain't got time for your stumped toe. We haven't got time for this or that. Just suck it up, buttercup. Listen, God wants you to understand that he's not going to make a way of escape for you all the time, but he's going to let you toughen up in some situations. Because if you don't learn to toughen up, you won't stand in the day of adversity. You and I do no favors to our children to pamper them every time they fall down when they're trying to learn to walk. We don't do them any favors to let them, let them cry and squall and bawl and make a big issue out of some minor something. How many times are my boys, you know, they'd fall down and get hurt. I'm going, you going to live? 
And they go, yes, ma'am. I said, then knock it off. <laughs> Toughens you up. Listen, you think, well, that's mean. No, it's not mean. God expects the same thing out of you and me. In Psalm 23, I'm glad Mark brought it up. Psalm 23 says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't take them out of the valley. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's called toughening it up, folks. And there's too many Christians out there who ain't got a tough bone in their body because they run every time trouble comes. They run to have somebody come do something for me to help me, to get me out of this. I'm falling apart. Listen, I have a little plaque in my office on my bookcase that says, Thou shalt not whine. Should be the 14th commandment. I don't care. You know, the 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th commandment. Thou shalt not whine. God doesn't want you whining about things. He wants you to toughen up. Stop being, oh, no, negative Nelly. Stop being, oh, you know, woe is me, having your own pity party. Tough it up. Amen. Isaiah. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah 43. Isaiah, I was reminded of this just as after I had already printed out everything this, this afternoon or this evening. And, and I was thinking about this and I said, oh, that's a great one. We'll go back to that. Chapter 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Now, how are you going to find that out if you don't tough up? How are you going to find it? Doesn't James say it's the trying of your faith that works patience? Stop whining because you don't have everything you want right now. That you, it takes longer than five minutes or five days to get the answer. The trying of your faith works patience. That's called toughening you up. Amen. And so, you know, I go back to Paul and Silas. They had no way of escape. There was no way of getting out, physically getting out of this jail. And so what do they do? They just look to God. That's where you need to be looking all the time. They just look to God. Listen, the enemy wants you to get into despair. He wants you to get into a wine mode. He wants you just to fall apart. He wants you just to just go, oh, God, why me? Why me? Why me? Why? Never ask that question. Never. I'll give you the answer right now. Why you? It's because the devil hates you and has a plan for your life. That's why. That's why. You don't need to ever ask that question again. Don't ever say, why me, ever again when something comes your way. You just look and say, okay, how are we going to get out of this, God? How are we going to deal with this, Lord? What, 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 what do I need to do now? What do I need to do now? What do I need to do now? We're going we're to do this. Well, Paul and Silas sang and prayed, sang praises. Listen, anytime you find yourself in a, in a situation, it's not time to be silent. The prisoners heard them, which means they were not just, oh, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, you're getting us out of this mess. 
Oh, Lord Jesus, you're going to, somehow you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna take care of it. Oh, yeah. No, they heard them so that all the prisoners, they sang so loud that all the prisoners heard them. All the prisoners heard them. The problem with some people is they ain't got no fight in them. They got no fight. You know, if the devil's going to attack you, you need to be ready to fight, not lay down and take it. That's not what you were taught in boot camp. That's not what you were trained for. That's not what you're in training for. It's not just to lay down, roll over, and take it. They were not silent. The prisoners heard them. And when, and when they found themselves in this place, they, they knew God could take care of it, and they just sang and they sang praises. Just, yeah. Yes, yeah, so and we're not going to be lambs led to the slaughter. We do not go silently into that good night, as they say. No, we're, we're going to go kicking and screaming and telling the devil where to go and what he can do with his, with his antics. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to say, God is my refuge. God is my help. God is everything that I need. He's my deliverer. He is my all in all. He's the greater one who lives on the inside of me. He is the one I can count on, I can trust in, I can rely on to be there whenever I need him for whatever I need. He's mine. Hallelujah. And a suddenly came an earthquake that shook the place. Hallelujah. Now in the middle of this suddenly, Paul and Silas did something remarkable. Instead of looking at the jailer who was just about to take his life, I mean, I can't imagine the personality of a jailer was not one that you would be kindly disposed to. You know, you could say, that now they knew back in those days that if that jailer had somehow let them loose or somehow not been aware of them getting out or whatever, that his life and his family's life was on the line. And I can't imagine he treated them kindly when he threw them in the inner prison. Can't imagine that he did. And so now the bands are loosed, the doors are open, they're free to leave. And yet Paul and Silas took great compassion on the jailer and did not leave. Did not leave. Your suddenlies can become a blessing to somebody else. Your suddenlies can, uh, can affect more people than you can imagine. And that day, a jailer and his entire family got born again. Hallelujah. So suddenlies, we, just, we think suddenlies just happen, but they don't really just happen. They don't really just happen. There are three things associated with a suddenly. I'm going to give you all three of them, then we're going to come back and we're going to go through them one by one. Number one, there's a promise associated with every suddenly. Number two, there's a declaration associated with every suddenly. And number three, there's a continuation that's associated with a suddenly. All right, promise. Obviously, there's a promise associated with a suddenly. That's a word from God. It can be the written word. It can be a spoken word. It can be a thus saith the Lord. But it's got to agree with the written word. Whatever form that word comes to you in, whether God just speaks something to your heart, whether somebody speaks something to you, whether it's something you heard in the message, it must agree with the word, the written word of God. It must agree. 
we've heard it a couple of times, you know, over the course of all these years of ministry. People say it, have only blatantly said it a couple of times. When the, this phrase has come out, I don't care what the word says, this is what Jesus told me. Really? Oh, that's interesting. That means you don't have a clue who Jesus is. And you don't have a clue that you've ever heard Jesus if you're saying that Jesus told you something that's in direct opposition to what this written word says. That's not going to happen. But you have to have a promise. You can't quote what somebody else says. You can't quote what you think you know. You can't quote what you think the Bible says. You must get it accurate. You must come back to the Word and make sure that what you're saying and what you're believing and what, you're, what you're, the promise is that you're going to stand on is accurate or else you're not going to get it suddenly. John 8, 32 says, You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's not somebody else's truth. It's not your truth. It's God's truth. That's what will make you free. Amen. And only God's truth will make you free. Because sometimes our truth and God's truth are kind of opposed to each other. Because what we would like to be true isn't what he says. I would like it to be true that I can, that I can you know, do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. But that's not what God's word teaches me. It teaches me that I'm not my own, that I've been bought with a price. And that, and that everything I do and everything I say should be conformed to the Word of God. That's truth. Dad Hagen has made some statements here. He said, scriptural faith is based upon evidence set forth in the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. Faith is based upon facts. Unbelief comes by the theories of men and what it sees. It also comes by judging God by sense knowledge what you see, hear, or feel. Sarah judged him faithful who promised. Faith is that which accompanies knowledge. Knowledge what? This knowledge. It comes into the soul unconsciously through the door of discovered evidence. Have you ever just, I mean, just discovered something in the Word? It was like a treasure you hadn't realized was there before. See, that's what, that's what God's talking about. It says, no effort is required on the part of the will or intellect of man to, to get faith. It depends on the word. As soon as the light comes, faith comes. Oh, how many times have I heard somebody say, Pastor, I've read that, that scripture a hundred times, and I just now saw it. I just saw it. Well, thank God, you know, we finally do see it. You know, sometimes it just, it just takes going over it and going over it and going over it and going over it and going over it for us to finally see it. Anyway, it, says, it goes on and says, faith and unbelief are available to us all. Did you know unbelief is available to you? It's up to you to decide if you're going to take it. Just like faith is up to you. You have to decide whether you're going to take it. It says, if you want to stay in unbelief, just remain ignorant of the plan of God that's set forth in his holy scriptures. But if you desire faith, God has given us his word, and in its pages are the words of life that change everything. Woof. If you desire faith, God has given us his word, and in its pages are the words of life that change everything. 
Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. In Proverbs 4.22, it's to talk about the word. It says, they are life to those that find them. John 6.63 says, the words that I speak to you, this is Jesus talking, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Go with me to Hebrews 4.12. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.12. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I tell you what, when you're going to have a promise... The word will help you kind of straighten some things out. You can't really use the promises and the words of God until the thoughts and intents of your heart come in line with the word of God. Sometimes we need to have attitude adjustments in the middle of a situation. We'd love for suddenly to come, but it can't come because the word hasn't, hasn't been applied so that we can discern between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. But it has to. You know, and the the promises that come to us, you know, they are there for us to hang on to. When God speaks them to our hearts, whether he says it to us out of the the written word, just just hang on to them. You know, we go back to Ephesians 1.18, we need, to, we need to approach the word all the time. Lord, let the eyes of my understanding be enlightened. Let the eyes of my understanding be, in, be enlightened. Lord, help me to see what you're trying to say to me. Help me to see how it applies to my situation. Help me to see, Father God, and to understand fully what, what belongs to me, what's mine. And help me to see how I can just, I can stand in the middle of anything. Help me see, Father, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened. You know, the promises have been given down through the ages. I, I got, went back today to, over in, uh, in Luke when they brought Jesus to the temple, and there were two people in the temple, a man named Simeon, a man old, up in years, and, and he, looked, he took one look at this baby, and he knew a suddenly had come into his being. Here's a suddenly, something he had been believing God and, and praying for and standing for, the Savior, the Messiah, for his people had arrived. There he was, this little baby. My eyes have seen your salvation, Lord. And there was a lady, a prophetess by the name of Anna, who looked at this one. She was a woman of God who had been praying. You you know, no suddenly comes into our life, I don't think, but what somebody else has been praying for us too. You know, we think sometimes that somebody suddenly gets born again. There's been prayer going up. There's somebody, somebody somewhere has been praying Sometimes we get the idea that maybe a, a church, you know, just suddenly, suddenly gets started, you know, and it just, and it grows, and it's just, and it's, and it's wonderful, and oh man, how good. Nobody understands that there were people who paved the way for that in prayer. They hung on to a promise. 
You know, I remember Brother Hagan talking about how when they came to Broken Arrow to, to put their ministry headquarters there and, and to start Rama, they found out later that there's somebody had been praying for decades over that piece of property, that God would use that piece of property to bless the nations. And look what it's done. Look what it's, Somebody has ba- paved the way in prayer. There are people who are looking, who are expecting answers, and sometimes the answer just shows up suddenly. But you hang on to that promise. Number two, a declaration. What does a declaration do? It defines your position. It sets a course of action and reaction in your life. It separates you from the thing that has bound you, whether it's failure, whether it's your past, whether it's your habits, no matter what it is. A declaration will free you from that. The declaration is a promise. This is what I am going to do. This is what God has said to me. This is what, this is what I will have. You know, if you go back in our own, our own national history, you find the Declaration of Independence back in the 1700s. It separated the colonies from England. And it showed what their position was and what their intent was, was to have a new nation formed in in a certain way, out from under tyrannical rule, out from under the dominion of a of a country that was dominating and, and was and was taking advantage of them. You know, you and I have to make a declaration of independence a lot of times. That I'm going to be independent of circumstances. I'm going to be independent of this situation. I'm going to be independent of the thoughts the enemy would try to bring into my into my head and make me think this isn't going to work. This can't work. Well, when God says it will work, it will work. And you need to declare those things. You know, in Genesis, God declared and worlds were formed. He said, let it be. And there was. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 48, verse 3, God says, I've declared the former things from the beginning. I go back to what I said earlier. God was talking and declaring that a Savior would come to bring man back into the position that he had had with God in the Garden of Eden. He began to declare that in Genesis 3. You and I need to declare it all the time. Whatever God has said to you, you begin to declare it. It's, 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 like, it's like confessing the Word. But I'm telling you, sometimes you need to go beyond just taking a Scripture and confessing the Scripture. You need to declare I will walk in the way God has ordained for me to walk. There are things you have to just set your mind to and declare, I will do this. I will do this. You know, there are times when when people in, in this world will come at you and tell you that, oh, that can't happen. You need to declare, it will happen. It will happen. I've heard people talk over the years about, about, their, about their little ones. You know, oh, they've got their, their terrible twos. Oh, you, oh, they're just about to hit the terrible twos. Don't you let anybody ever tell you that your child is going to enter the terrible twos. Don't you let them tell you that when your kids get to be teenagers, they're going to be a problem. They are not going to be a problem. I had people say that to me over the years. Oh, you know how teenagers are. I said, nope, not at my house. No, I don't know how they are because they're not that way at my house. They don't have to be that way at your house. But you need to start declaring some things over your children long before they get to those places. And you don't let anybody tell you that they're going to, oh, you're going to have issues with them. Mm, no, no, no. Don't let the world tell you that. 
If you're raising them the way you're supposed to be raising them, you have a promise from God that your children will love God. You have to be a Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My children will serve the Lord all the days of their life. They'll be a joy to me because they're a heritage from the Lord. That's what you have to begin to declare. Don't let the world try to tell you something any different than what God has said or God has promised to you. You have to stop what they're saying by declaring something different. You have to silence them by speaking it out loud. Hallelujah. You know, Psalm says in, verse, in chapter 20, verse 7, it says, some trust in chariots. And some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Listen, there are people who are putting a lot of trust in a lot of things except God. Don't you be one of them. You declare what you believe. You declare who you trust in. You declare what you will have and what you will not put up with. Sometimes you need to say, I will not put up with such and such. I will not let this happen in, in my home. I will not let this happen in my life. I will, not, uh, I will not entertain those thoughts. I will not let anybody try to convince me of something other than what God has promised to me. Hallelujah. You speak the words that line up with what you believe. Amen. Hallelujah. And number three, continue. There's a continuation. Oh, lots of scriptures here. Psalm 70, verse 4, it says, Such as love thy salvation, say continually, let God be magnified. Psalm 71, 6, my praise shall continually be of thee. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If his praise is continually in your, in your mouth, you're not going to be speaking out doubt and unbelief. There's a, there's a good safety right there. Proverbs 6, 20, 21, it's talking about the word. The word of God says, bind them continually upon thy heart. Luke 24, 53, it says, they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Ah, we could go back to so much, you know, why church is so important. They were continually in the temple Praising and blessing God. You can't, you, you, you're not likely to do that at home all the time. You need the encouragement of your brothers and sisters. You need to get in a place where everybody's praising God. You think, well, they haven't got any problems like I've got. How do you know? How do you know? And it's important that when we come together that we're praising God for our benefit but for the benefit of those around us to help draw them into a place of praise, to help draw them into a, into a place where their mind is focused on their own God and not on the issues that surround their lives. It's important that we do that not just for us but for somebody else. They were in the temple continually praising and blessing God. Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And Hebrews 13.15 says, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit 
of our lips. I want you to know, suddenlies don't just happen. You have to put yourself in a position to have a suddenly. But I'm telling you what, when you do that, when you have found yourself a promise, when you have declared and keep declaring the promise that has been made to you and you continually praise God by prayer, it doesn't say that we're supposed to, to make a request and be made known to God and add thanksgiving to that. See, a suddenly can happen for a person who's always praising God. You know, you, you might see something that happens in somebody's life. You go, well, Lord, I, I, I would like that to happen in my I'd like to have one of those kind of things happen in my life too. And God's saying, well, get with it. Get with it. What are you, what are you doing about it? Are you standing firm on the promise? Are you standing? I mean, over, over in, in Psalm 1 verse 1, blessed is the man. Oh, let's just go over there and look at it. Hallelujah. I want you to see it. Psalm 1, 1. Hallelujah. Get out of Job. Yes, yes, everybody get out of Job. Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, his delight his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate. Dana, there's a continually right there. In his law does he meditate. Dana, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Oh, let me tell you. The suddenly show, you know what, what happens sometimes when somebody's doing all this, that they're, they're just standing on the promise, they're declaring the word of God, they're just praising God. They're so focused on everything but the answer that it seems like the answer came suddenly. It's because they weren't paying attention to the problem anymore. They weren't paying attention to, Lord, I need this answer. I need, I need help. I need this. I need this. You're not focused on that anymore. So God can, can have a suddenly in your life. When, we, when our focus just stays on the issues, when our focus just stays on, on the problem, and, and I need this, and Lord, it's been this long, it's been this long. Don't do that. Just keep your focus on him. Keep your focus on on how good God is, how faithful God is, how you can trust God, that he's tr worthy of our trust, worthy of our praise, worthy of all just, just declare, I will have everything God has promised to me. I have it all. I have it now. It belongs to me. I will settle for nothing less than what God has promised me. And you just thank him and just praise him and just you'll look around and go, Wow. There it is. That's great. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. See, we're not so impressed with the suddenlies when our, when our attention wasn't on having a suddenly. And we look at it and go, oh, okay. I mean, I, I know of a situation in our life that we'd been believing God for just a couple of years. And, I mean, we, every, every time we thought about that situation, we just said, thank you, God, you're taking care of this. I would just thank you, Lord, that, that this is done. We thank you, Father. And when the day came that it was all complete and all done, it was kind of like, 
oh, I don't have to say that anymore about that particular thing. Oh, okay. It was almost like a letdown. Oh, man, all right. We'll pick another project. Just pick another project. That's all you got to do. You need to have a project all the time. You, you, you need to be training yourself. Hopefully, you're past boot camp. But sometimes we need to go, we need to go revisit boot camp where you toughen up some more. If you find yourself in a place where you're just kind of, <laughs> you need to go back to boot camp. <laughs> if you find yourself saying, oh, Lord, how long? How long do I have to do this? How long do I have to do this? Back to boot camp. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you want to suddenly? Suddenlies are great. I remember Jimmy Smith telling me a story a few months ago that, that this, this man that he'd only, what, had you only met a couple of times? One, one time, called him up and said, I want to talk to you. And he's, well, I don't know what he talked to me about. And the man said, I'm, I'm getting rid of, was it, he was getting out of the business and he gave him, this with all of his customers? He gave him all of his customers. That's a suddenly. But I suspect that Jimmy and Leslie Smith had a promise. I suspect they had been declaring increase over their business. And I suspect they had been praising God because a suddenly came. You want a suddenly? This is what you've got to do. These are the things that are attached to any suddenly that's going to come in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, suddenly it's time to go. Love you guys, and we will see you uh, Sunday, if not before. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.